Love Talk Radio. Welcome, Nationals fans, to our second live podcast of the season. And this time we promise to be live for the full episode rather than cutting off after 15 minutes. I'm your host, Blake Finney, who's just about as good as Nolan Arenado's right hook. Joining me this week, live from Coors Field, that I almost sound professional there, is site expert from Rocks Pal, Kevin Henry. How are you doing, Kevin? Blake, I'm doing well. It's been a fun day here at Coors Field, so good to talk to you. Yeah, there's been, <laughs> there's been plenty going on, and we'll, uh, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, obviously, Kevin's here to help us preview the upcoming series with the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and the name that jumps out a lot to Nationals fans on their roster is Ian Desmond. It'll be his first trip yep. back to Nationals Park since he left in 2015. Uh, we're kind of expecting a Worth-esque montage that he got at the end of last season. So, obviously, in 2016, he spent it with the Texas Rangers. They didn't play interleague. And then he signed his big deal with the Rockies. But, unfortunately, last season... Obviously, injured his hand in spring training, didn't play in April at Coors, uh, and he had a calf injury um, in July at Nats Park. So, what's uh, what's Desi been up to these days, Kevin? Well, uh, you know, Desi's one of those guys that honestly is a little bit of a question mark still for Rockies fans. I mean, we still look back, and obviously we see the all-star appearance, we see the great stats, we see the things that he's done during his time in Texas and in Washington. And we're still waiting for that here in Colorado. Uh, you know, uh, he he just knocked in his ninth RBI of the year earlier today in the Rockies win. But it's certainly been a bumpy start. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, this was a guy that Colorado signed to be their first baseman. You know, go figure that. Uh, you know, last, the, the offseason before last, Desmond gets his hand hurt, as you alluded to, in spring training of that year. And Mark Reynolds comes on and really takes over first base. So Desmond slots a lot back into the outfield then last year for the Rockies. This year, um, Desmond was supposed to be in the outfield again. Um, and then the Rockies ended up signing Carlos Gonzalez halfway through spring training. And when Cargo came in, all of a sudden there was no room in the outfield for Desmond, so they shifted him back to first base. Uh, so it's been, it's been a little bit of a revolving door for him, and I'm sure that's been a little bit of the issue. But the one thing that we're noticing here uh, when it, during his time with the Rockies is he's having a horrible time getting the ball in the air. Uh, he leads the National League right now in grounders. Uh, and, you know, when you, you play somewhere like Coors Field, you want the ball in the air. Uh, and so that's leading to a lot of frustration for a lot of Rockies fans right now toward him is that the double plays, not getting the ball out of the infield. Uh, so, you know, if there's one name that's causing a lot of angst among Rockies fans right now, it's Ian Desmond. Now, can he snap out of it? Absolutely. But we're going into our second season now and waiting for Desmond to really be that impact guy that the Rockies signed whenever they gave him $70 million offseason before last. Yeah, it's um, we were talking just before we came on air, and it's still quite puzzling to see him at first base. And I guess... <laughs> It's a testament to the Rockies' depth about they've got all these players. They've got the up-and-coming prospect McMahon at first base, so they're going to kind of split time there. And the outfield is absolutely stacked. You've got Blackman, who could be an MVP candidate. Obviously, they didn't see Cargo coming back, but uh, he's right. looking like his old self this season as well. Yes. 
Yeah, and, you know, it's coming into Washington, it's going to be very interesting. You're talking about that at field depth could be very tested, you know, over these next four games in Washington. You know, uh, we've alluded to the fun that happened earlier today here at Coors Field, and Ferraro Parra was right in the middle of that. He's likely to have a suspension coming his way. Charlie Blackman has missed three of the last four starts because of uh, a tight back and a quad injury. So will Charlie be back in the lineup? We're all waiting to see that tomorrow. So, uh, you know, the Rockies could go from being very deep in the outfield to at some point during the National Series kind of scrambling to fill some holes there. Yeah, I think it's still one of of my favorite lineups to watch, especially when you've got Nolan Arenado again, another name that will. There's quite a lot of these names that we're going to touch on later during the fun in the series. (laughs) But uh, when you have Arenado there, Blackman, obviously maybe not necessarily fit right now, but it's such a fun lineup to watch. It is, and you know, I've I've been lucky enough to watch these guys for the last five years here, and you know, they they've grown as a team, they've grown as players. You know, Blackman and, and uh, sorry, Arenado both into MVP candidates from where they've come from. It's it's been amazing to see, and yet there's a lot of anxiety right now around the Rockies and the fact that they're honestly not hitting that well right now. You know, the uh, 13 games into the season. Uh, you know, they scored five runs today against the uh, Padres, but it was all in one uh, one swoop, and it was right after the brawl that I know we're going to talk about. But that all came right after the brawl happened. And, and the Rockies have had trouble getting runners home the last few games, and it's one of the reasons why uh, Atlanta took two out of three from the, uh, from the Rockies here, as well as San Diego just did the same thing. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a slow start, especially after – getting to the wild card game last year kind of gave a lot of hope for you guys. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and everybody went into the season with sky high expectations, but the rotation has had its issues. The bats have had their issues. Uh, you know, we talked about Blackman having a few injuries here and there, and he is the guy that starts the Rockies offense. There's no question about that at that, that lead off position. So without him in the lineup, they've been struggling. Yeah. Uh, so now we are going to take a look at the series against the Padres. Obviously, I think you guys know where this is going. But uh, in the first game on Monday, they lost a close one, 7-6. Clayton Rich and even managed to hit one of the five home runs in that game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> might be a bit of the cause effect going on, just just a hunch. Uh, they yeah. lost 5-2 on Tuesday. Hunter Renfro hit uh, the big three-run home run in the seventh to win it. Uh, but I guess following today's events, the most potentially the most notable event in that game was the hit-by-pitch on Manny Margot. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, that really sparked then what happened today. Uh, And Scott Oberg, who's one of the Rockies relievers, talked to him in the locker room just a few minutes ago. And, you know, he texted uh, Margot yesterday, and, and he said he really tried to go out of his way to make sure that they all understood that was a pitch that just got away from him. And anybody that's seen the replay of it, you know, 95 in the ribs is not not something you want any time for anybody. Uh, and then Margo went on the DL today with that. So, uh, but that definitely set the tone then for what happened today, for sure. Yeah. So, obviously, in the third game, it was a 6-4 win for the Rockies. Uh, I'll try and get that in there first so that everyone actually remembers that. Uh, but it was a bit of a plunk fest. So obviously we had Trevor Story and Hunter Renfro both getting hit by pitches early on, uh, kind of as a result of that Margot hit by pitch and both teams trying to make it even. And then obviously the big incident, 
Luis Podomo thrown behind Arenado's back, who then charged the mound and caused the whole benches and bullpens to clear. So, what did you what did you see, Kevin, from your vantage point at cause? Uh, you know, you know, it was something that whenever we got to the ballpark this morning uh, and we were talking to Bud Black before the game, uh, we asked, "Is this something that we could expect to see today?" And his response was 50-50. You know, and and at that point, I think all of us in the press box, our senses were a little heightened. Uh, and then whenever you saw Trevor Story get hit early on, it was just that, oh, boy, here it comes. <laughs> and, and again, like you mentioned, Hunter Renfro got hit in the hand by Herman uh, Marquez, the Rocky starter. Uh, and right when that happened, I had a couple of people on my Twitter timeline say, just wait, when Nolan comes up, he's going to get buzzed. And sure enough, uh, you know, it was the very first pitch thrown behind Nolan, and it was game on at that point. And, all of us who have been covering the Rockies for quite some time, there's two times that we've seen Nolan with this, like, out-of-control emotion. The first time was after he hit the home run to complete the cycle on Father's Day last year and bring him back against the Giants. And everybody's seen that clip with the blood dripping down his head and everything else. Uh, but today, I mean, there was no hesitation. He went straight after Pedromo. And, you know, um, honestly, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody that blames him, and I think we all expected it. Yeah, I think the sense that I get is the Padres drilled story, um, tried to get back yep. for the Margot hit by pitch, and hopefully that was going to be the end. And obviously it hit Renfro on the hand. I, like you say, you spoke with uh, Herman Marquez, who says that wasn't intentional, but obviously yep. the Padres didn't see it that way. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're right. Uh, I was lucky enough to talk to Marquez afterwards, and he said it was just a pitch that got away from him. You know, after the brawl happened, some of us in the press box were looking back, and just this year, I think we've tallied up seven hit-by-pitches between the Padres and the Rockies in the six games that they've played. And it goes all the way back to A.J. Ellis getting plunked by Chad Bettis, who I believe is drawing the start tomorrow in D.C., uh, you know, so we go back to that started, and Ellis is one of the guys who got ejected today for the Padres. So uh, this is something that's been brewing for a while, and it's also something that we asked Nolan after the game and we asked Carlos Gonzalez after the game, is this something that when the Padres come back here in two weeks, you know, the next time that they meet each other, is it going to carry over? And they both were pretty noncommittal <laughs> on whether this is over or we're going to see more beanball whenever they come back. Uh, the good old divisional rivalries. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Love the division rivalries. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the one of the interesting points was we saw we saw Mark McGuire holding back Nolan Arenado. Obviously they've got a connection there. Um yep. but he he was one of those that was trying to diffuse it. Yeah, and, and you know, he was um, one thing that we noticed on the replays is that McGuire kept holding up the uh, three on his on his hand, you know, with with his fingers. And so we asked Nolan about that, and and he had said that it was because the Rockies had hit three of their guys. And again, going back, that would be um, uh, Villanueva, who hit the homers against the Rockies in San Diego. He got plunked the next night. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, Margot and then Renfro. So those were the latest three that happened. Uh, and then we've also heard a little different story. I believe it was Cargo who said that uh, he was referring to the three guys that were getting ready to get kicked out by the uh, for the Rockies, and that was Marquez, Arenado, and Gerardo Parra, who joined in the, the fun off the bench, which, of course, I think is uh, probably going to be frowned upon by the, the MLB office. 
yeah, I think there's going to be quite a few suspensions coming, which uh, oh, yeah. kind of leads me on to my next point. So we want to pick out some players to watch this series, and top of my list, wouldn't you know it, Nolan Arenado. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. um, it depends how quickly they get the suspensions, but hopefully the Nats fans do get to see a, a lot of him because every time I watch the Rockies, you just marvel at how great his defense is. And we're we're spoiled with Anthony Rendon at the Nationals, but of course. he's never yeah. going to win a gold glove with Nolan Arenado there. <laughs> well, and, and Nolan, uh, I, I would strongly advise Nats fans to get there Thursday uh, to watch the game uh, because uh, we asked Nolan afterwards, does he expect to be suspended? And it was a very quick, yep. You know, so... Um, you know, and, and if you look back at the, the video, he did throw a punch at uh, Pedromo. So that's definitely going to happen. Uh, we would think it's just for a matter of how many. But take away the brawl. Take away all this stuff. You're absolutely right. Nolan's a guy that people show up here in Colorado to watch every game. And when whenever I go on the road with the Rockies, that's who people want to see. He's a guy that at the plate, in the field, whatever, you're going to see something pretty amazing each night. And, and, yeah, like you said, Rendon is a heck of a third baseman. Chris Bryant, great third baseman. Uh, you know, uh, Justin Turner, great third baseman. But the gold glove and the platinum glove reside with Arenado, and, and I guarantee you at least one time in the series, depending on how much he plays, he's going to make a, a play in the field that's just going to make you shake your head. Yeah, I, he's incredible. And everyone keeps talking about the cause effect with him, but then – I think someone brought it up the other day. If you look at his home runs from last season, it was 19 at cause, 18 on the road, and you're just like, yeah. well, he's yeah, going to do know, it wherever. Blackman and Arenado are going to get the Coors effect no matter where they go. And in the national media, we've come to kind of laugh about that here in Colorado. You know, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm going to put up Coors a lot of times after somebody hits a home run just because that's going to be the reaction. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, people think we're on the moon here in Denver. Uh, you know, it, it's just part of playing. But we always like to say, if you're going to, uh, you know, go against the hitters for playing at Coors, then you should give the Rockies pitchers a lot more credit than they deserve, especially last year when so many rookies stepped up to the plate. So, you know, we always like to remind people there is a flip side to that coin. But, yeah, Arenado, Blackman, you're always going to hear that about them. But if you really dive into their splits, it is something that – you know, there may be a little validity to it, but at the same time, these are two solid players that should be in the MVP discussion every year. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think it's less of a case with Arenado, slightly more with Blackman, but even so, you still yeah. have to be a good player to hit it out of the park. Not, I can't hit it out of the parking cause. Um, <laughs> no, I, I can get it out of the infield, maybe, you know, on a good day. So, hey. <laughs> yeah, um, and kind of going back to the pitching rotation, obviously... I think it's it's one of the better young rotations that the Rockies have had in quite a while. You've got John Gray, Jeff Hoffman's on the DL, Freeland, who yep. tossed that near no-hit last season. Yep, it was a great moment here. And, you know, and Marquez, I'll tell you, you know, before everything happened today, he had thrown 39 pitches, 31 of them went for strikes. So, I mean, he was dealing, and his curveball was nasty. Uh, you're right, you know, for years we heard that Colorado can't grow its own pitchers. And now you've got young guys like John Gray, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez, uh, Antonio Sensatella, who came out of the bullpen today uh, after the brawl and really things back down for the Rockies. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of good young pitchers on, on this team. 
And it's weird to think that early on in the season, you know, the pitching has sometimes carried the hitting for the Rockies. Uh, but it, it has happened, and it happened quite a bit last year as well, if you really dive into the stats. Yeah. Um, so are there any Nationals players that you're interested to see? I think uh, on mine, I want to see how they handle Matt Wieters and Pedro Severino behind the plate, obviously with Severino's. Uh, playing off this planet and going all Iron Man today, playing a day game after a night game. Yeah, you know, I I think that you know we remember last year when the Nationals came into Coors and just blistered the Rockies for four games. Uh, you know, that, I mean, it was just a home run fest here. And you know, and the Nationals are always a team that we look at as a measuring stick uh, here. You know, because we know they're the odds-on favorite to win the East. So how are they going to do on the road, especially after the emotion-filled day of today? You know, I'm very interested to see how the Rockies react to that. But absolutely, you look up and down that lineup, and my goodness, the pitchers that they're going to throw at the or at the Rockies this week, man. <laughs> you know, for a team that's still trying to find its footing at the plate. Uh, to see those four guys lined up ready to face you. That's never something you want to see. Yeah, it's been it's been one of the themes of this series where the offense obviously been stuttering some of the players, but then you get Scherzer and Strasburg shut down the Braves. Thank you, two wins. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, though, honestly, the pitching is what I'm looking forward to seeing whenever I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how, can the Rockies handle that are these guys really, you know, as dominant as they've looked on TV? He's very excited to see them in person. Yeah, I think every, every time you watch Max Scherzer, for example, you're always on no hair watch, and it's always an event. You see oh, him sure. stalking the mound, and everyone loves watching Max, unless you're the team facing <laughs> him. Absolutely. No, it, uh, you know, it's, it's lining up to be a tough series for the Rockies. There's no question about it. So, um, yeah, inter- interesting to see what happens. So now we're going to try and dive into each of the matchups and give our predictions for what we think is going to happen. So kicking us off on Thursday at 7.05 p.m. Eastern, we've got Chad Bettis v. Gio Gonzalez. And on a side note, we've got the Blue Jackets at Capitals at 7.32 uh, in the NHL playoffs. I'm a Caps fan <laughs> myself, so I'm definitely going to be uh, busting out the split screen. So there what are go. your thoughts on this matchup? I think uh, Chad Bettis is definitely a name to know, even if he's not the most flashy flashy name yeah. what he's done this season he's come back with a 2.53 era uh walks a little bit of a problem but when you take in the consideration that he's a testicular cancer survivor now that's exactly really uh, really impressive well and you know it's funny he's the old man of the pitching crew and i believe he's 28 years old you know but he's the old guy on the rotation uh <laughs> you know but he's he's a guy that he has been a very steadying force this year for the rockies uh, you know because John Gray has struggled. Uh, you know, Freeland has struggled. Uh, you know, there have been some up and down outings. But Bettis has been a guy who's gone out there. And you mentioned the testicular cancer. And obviously what a great story he's been since he came back last August. But one thing to watch is that his uh, velocity has also not really come back. Uh, so he has become a guy who, you know, if you can become crafty at the age of 28, I think Chad Bettis is morphing into that so he's relying a lot on pitch placement. He's re- relying on a lot of uh, changing speeds and things like that. So Bettis isn't going to blow a fastball by you. Uh, he's not. But he's also a guy that, again, he's been that steadying force for the Rockies this year, and he's been doing it by, uh, you know, you, you hate to invoke the name of a Greg Maddox or somebody like that, but still that's what it's reminded me of this year whenever I've watched Bettis pitch. Yeah, I think that's um... – 
from what I've seen in the past, I think that's what we're getting at. And those those six walks so far this season are probably the thing that would concern you if he can. He'll need to rein that in if he wants to keep up the success. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's nibbling the edges. I mean, there's no question about it. He is absolutely doing that. So the walks have been there, uh, but you know, it's also one of those know why he's doing it because again, he's not going to load up. He's not going to be a Jordan Hicks and throw the throw the fastball by you anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, opposing him, we've got Gio Gonzalez, uh, 4-0 and with a 3.58 ERA against the Rockies in five career starts. He's, the Rockies are the only NL team he's yet to record a, a, a loss decision for. So I think he's he's certainly a name that this, this season people have been skeptical about, obviously going into his free agent year. Um, yep. The curveball's his main weapon, and he's used that to affect this season despite a slight decline in velocity of the fastball. Well, and he's a guy that I remember very well from the series here last year. Uh, you know, I remember that he dominated the Rockies here, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, if he's the weak link of the bunch right now, uh, like you said, the, the, what he's done against Colorado certainly isn't weak by any stretch. Yeah, well, maybe not the weak link. <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got AJ Cole who actually managed to lower his ERA today, but uh, we'll, go, we'll, we'll put that to one side. Um, so have you got a prediction for this game? Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think, that, I think this is going to be one of the Rockies are going to be tough to, to come out of the gate, uh, especially with a lot of the unknown right now. Again, will Blackman be back in the lineup? Will Arenado be in there? What about Parra? You know, how quickly will major league baseball come down with their, their decisions? But still, I think it's something that I think the Nationals want a close one here, a close little scoring game, should I say? Yeah, I've, I've got five, four nats. It seems quite evenly matched with the pitching matchup. You've got two. Yeah good pitchers but they're not they're not great like the Scherzer Strasbourg John Gray sort of level so yeah I've got Nats to win a close one um I don't know if the suspensions will get dished out today I think I seem to remember when uh Harper and Strickland went at it it took a day to come in and that yeah it, it kind of feels like a similar situation to that yeah I I would think you know I've kind of alluded earlier Thursday's the day to see no one I, I think by Friday that uh, this will team that uh, will will not have Arenado or Para available. That's my guess. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, on Friday, we have Kyle Freeland against Tanner Roark, another matchup that kind of seems evenly matched. Uh, Kyle Freeland has only had one start against Nationals. He won with five innings pitch, gave up nine hits, three earned, no walks, and four strikeouts. Um, so, is there anything that you've seen that we haven't quite seen of Freeland? Because obviously, Max fans won't have seen him much. You know, you, you alluded to the, the no-hit uh, bid that was here last year at Coors. And, again, you know, uh, hats off for anybody trying to no-hit here at Coors. Uh, but, you know, Kyle's a guy that he – one thing that we have noticed him is that if things start going bad, it's kind of hard for him to pull it back together. Uh, just the other night, uh, you mentioned the Clayton Richard home run. Uh, that was just simply, you know, a bad spot. Uh, he threw a bad pitch. And – Chris Ionetta, the veteran catcher who's come on uh, with the Rockies, you know, we were talking to him after the game and he said, you know, it's been the season, it's been 99 great pitches, but the one that's killed him. And, and we think that that's very apropos. So Freeland has given up some mistakes this year and those mistakes have ended up costing the Rockies the game again, because that offense just hasn't been there. So that's something to watch is if he gets a couple of hits in a row, does it snowball or is he able to actually put a stop to it? 
Yeah, I think um, kind of going to his opposite number for this game, we've got Tanner Roark, who's had two starts this year. One, he uh, allowed one earned run in seven innings, and then in the other, he's allowed five earned in five innings. So mm-hmm. it may depend which Tanner Roark we see in that case, and maybe in a similar vein to Freeland. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I think that uh, this is a game to be perfectly honest with you. I think that if there's a game that I point to this series that maybe the Rockies have a better chance, it could be this game, uh, just because um, of the, the the up and down. And you know, will Kyle find better things away from Coors than he has here? Uh, but uh, that that would be my guess. And plus, the Rockies will have some reinforcements coming in from AAA, is my guess as well. Uh, sometime during the series, and they've got a lot of guys down there who can hit. So hopefully the offense will be re-energized a little bit. Yeah, I think I've got 7-5 in my predictions. Um, I think the kind of the lefty element as well, where you've got a Harper, a lefty, Eaton just gone on the DL, but uh, Goodwin replacing him at the top of the lineup isn't especially great against lefties. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is the one that I think the Nats will drop. I think the Rockies are a good, like a really good team that we're not going to sweep you guys. Um, so yeah, I think no. Rockies to win seven five. But I, I I agree. We're two for two uh, agreement here. So so far so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we move on to Saturday's matchup. This is definitely the marquee pitching matchup of the weekend with John Gray facing off against Max Scherzer. Uh, Max Scherzer actually struggles against the Rockies. It's the team he's got the highest ERA against in the NL excluding the Nats, funnily enough, obviously, when he started when he was with Arizona. Um, and <laughs> maybe potentially another irrelevant stat, Nolan Arenado's hitting just 143 against him with four strikeouts, but we may, we may well, not see that him. marquee it's... matchup. <laughs> exactly. So, um, uh... away from cause, I don't mean to bring it back derogatorily, um, but uh, can John Gray match Max Scherzer in this matchup on Saturday? You know, we're we're still waiting to see what John Gray has this year, to be honest with you. Whenever I went down to spring training, uh, John Gray kind of got lit up a few times, and every time that he did, it was, well, he's working on his grip, on his changeup. Well, he's working on his mechanics. There was always a reason why you should just throw out that star because, oh, don't worry about John. He'll be all right. Well, you know, we've been worried about him now, uh, you know, uh, this this far into the regular season. Uh, you know, there and there's good reason to be. He hasn't been that dominant pitcher that I think people are hoping for. A lot of people, you know, you, you mentioned the wild card game, uh, you know, last year. You know, he got lit up in that game, and everybody's been waiting to see how does he react to that. And so far, the reaction hasn't been what people in Colorado hoped. Uh, so, you know, will, will he finally find his footing? You know, will this be the game that he does? I don't know, uh, but but a lot of the signs point to that he's struggling right now to get over that hump mentally. And, you know, it's reignited the conversation here in Colorado is, is John Gray an ace pitcher? You know, and that's something that, oh, my God, Rocky's Twitter blows up about. Uh, but, you know, I think that we're all asking that question. Can he guy one of these days to be mentioned in the same breath as a Kershaw, a Scherzer, an Arietta, whoever it might be? And we're still waiting to see. Yeah, he's, a, he's absolutely got the pedigree with that. And yeah. you see the raw stuff, and it's all there. It's can he put it all together and on a consistent basis? Yeah. And and honestly, you know, the other night he struck out the side, needed 
uh, let's see, what was it? I believe it was 11 pitches to strike out the side on uh, whatever night that was. Forgive me if it's all running together at this point. You know, but from there on in, it was they started chipping away at him, and then all of a sudden a big inning happened, and it just tailspins from there. So that and that's what we've been seeing this year is that there are frames where you can't touch John Gray. The slider's biting, the fastball's working, everything else is going, and then he looks very mortal in the next inning. Yeah, that's um, it's something that uh, we see a lot in, or personally I see it, Stephen Steven Strasburg maybe a bit more on the. Mm-hmm. You get you get a few more good appearances, but I especially remember in his younger days he would sit sit three guys down strikeouts and then yep. the next inning they get a little bloop base hit and it all snowballs like you say for John Gray. So You're right. yep. I think I think in uh in this one I have three one nationals. I I think Gray can figure it out against the struggling offense, but Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer and he hasn't won yeah. two NL Cy Youngs for nothing. No, agreed. I, I think the Rockies will be hard pressed to put anything together against him and and I think the Nationals will definitely scrape up enough runs to, to push forward. So, wrapping up the series, we've got Tyler Anderson facing Steven Strasburg. Uh, Tyler Anderson is the odd case where his ERA away from cause is 5.34, and then his ERA at cause is 3.38. It's a strange one. Do you have any insight into into why? Is it mainly ground balls? (laughs) No, we've asked him that, to be perfectly honest, and we've tried to figure that out ourselves. You know, uh, Tyler Chatwood was just the opposite last year whenever he, uh, the Rockies. You hated to see him pitch at Coors, but whenever he got, went on the road, you know, he had a, a sub-2 ERA. Uh, Tyler Anderson's a very interesting case for the Rockies. You know, he is a guy that fought through a lot of injuries last year, came in back in September and went 3-1 and one with a sub-3 ERA. Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, he's figured it out. He's healthy. Everything's great. Well, same thing happened in spring training. Tyler could never put it all together. People kept blowing it off at spring training. And now that we're in the regular season, again, you know, it started off in that Arizona series to start the year. Tyler hasn't been able to put it together throughout. And and those big innings have bit into him. And, yeah, uh, you know, John Gray faltered in the season opener. And everybody said, okay, well, Tyler can stop the bleeding. And the Rockies were real quick because that's exactly what did not happen. So with Anderson supposedly being the number two guy for the Rockies, unfortunately he is not pitched like that at all. The guy who has is a guy who, you know, again, we mentioned maybe suspended after today, but Herman Marquez, I really think if I'm looking into the future, this is a guy who could be the Rockies ace down the road, to be perfectly honest. You think so? I do. I do, honestly. Uh, he he has the stuff that, uh, you know, I, I mentioned his strike count today overall. He's a guy that if he gets locked in, um, you know, if, if we were starting a playoff game, I would absolutely feel more confident in Marquez than I would any other pitcher for the Rockies taking them out. Yeah, I guess um, if you have, a say, a one-game wild card, you want someone who you know what he's going to do. You maybe don't want a John Gray or a Tyler Anderson that right. they might throw one – one run gem or they might completely blow up and put it out of reach. Whereas if you start the consistent guy, then yeah. Um, So obviously opposing him, Steven Strasburg, we saw the best of Strasburg last night against the Braves, eight innings, three hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. And I think my favorite part of the game was uh, in the seventh inning with two outs, eighth inning with two outs, 
David Martinez walks up to him, says, you good? Yep. And then he walks off and <laughs> lets Strasbourg finish the inning. I think that was, that was a great moment. Um, yeah. And I think David Martinez is definitely winning the fans over with moves like that. And again, the players, which uh, he's definitely, definitely done this season, especially, um, I guess, the other... Um, the other key moment for David Martinez was when he stood up for Rendon after the strike call and ejection. Yeah, I've been very impressed with what he's done, just kind of watching, preparing for the series and, and the way that uh, uh, Davey has uh, gotten along with the players already. It's, it's very impressive to see, uh, you know, and you match a, a, a great uh, young managerial mind like that with lineups like that. And uh, that's, uh, that's a success for danger right there. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely an exciting time, and I think the big thing with that is they gave him the three year three year deal, and especially going for an unproven manager, it's Mike Rizzo's statement to say, look, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna fade away after this year if Bryce Harper leaves. Sure, absolutely, and you know, and and I think it's something as well that you know there's a good core there. There's a good energy there. And, and it honestly reminds me a lot of what's going on here as well. There's a good core of players that, you know, Blackman had left this year, you know, and, and a lot of people don't expect DJ LeMahieu to be at second base for the Rockies next year, but you know, that there's a good young core, you know, the manager has the the right intangibles to make things come together. So yeah, I, I, I honestly, it sounds weird to say, I see these as two similar teams. Uh, you know, I, I really do in a lot of respects. Yeah, definitely. I think the the offenses are kind of um, tit for tat. They're very very similar. They've yep. got, they're absolutely stacked with depth. Um, I think the probably the one difference is the uh, the starting pitching, where the Nationals do have those Cy Young caliber yeah, arms, definitely. whereas they do have the the Rockies have kind of the next step down. Um, yeah, you're right. So, oh yeah, uh, I was just going to ask for a prediction on this last matchup. So I think I've got. 6-2 to the Nationals, and we take the Series 3-1, which we'll absolutely take at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think the Nationals win three out of four in the series. Uh, I do. I think that um, Rocky's offense isn't going to find its footing against a, a, a foursome like the, the Nationals will roll out. And so, yeah, I would I would say, uh, uh, unfortunately, it won't be a close game, uh, and the Rockies will drop it. Yeah, I think it's it's probably the last team the Rockies want to see right now, unfortunately. Because I, like I said, oh, yeah. I really like I really like you guys, and the light the lineup <laughs> is so much the lineup's so much fun to watch when it's all clicking. Well, you know, and, and I wrote an article back during spring training because whenever you look at the April calendar, um, there's a lot of house of horrors for the Rockies. You know, because after they leave Washington, they go to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is a place they never historically play well. So, you know, this is a this is a big seven-game road swing for the Rockies, uh, especially, you know, they're still below 500. Uh, they're coming off. Uh, they could be missing some of their better players. So uh, it's definitely something to watch, and, and a lot of us around here kind of have this circled as, okay, how is this road trip going to play, and is it going to be a little bit of panic time whenever they come back to Denver? Yeah, I think it's it's not a great time to play the Pirates either when they're flying high. Oh, no. I think oh, they're gosh, no. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and looking at the weather forecast, rain and snow, you know, for a lot of the series. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, yeah. that, you know, hey, that's that's after that's after all the fun in DC. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm de- I'm definitely looking forward to this series. Um, I want to say thanks to Kevin for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure, and you've been great fun on the show. Uh, where can our listeners find you? 
Absolutely, Blake. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Rocks Pile is where you can find me, R-O-X-P-I-L-E.com. Uh, we're at Rocks Pile, R-O-X-P-I-L-E-F-S on Twitter. Uh, certainly would love to have you follow us. And, uh, you know, yeah, uh, come along. Uh, happy to answer any questions as the series goes along for Nats fans. And looking forward to a lot of fun in D.C. Yep, and there's definitely going to be plenty of videos of uh, uh, benches clearing brawl for everyone, which is definitely worth a follow. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's the last one we have for a while. We'll see what happens. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, definitely had a few people watch it today, no question. Okay. Yeah. Again, thanks for coming on, Kevin. Thanks, Blake. Have a good one. You too. Okay, yeah. Again, I want to say thanks to Kevin. He was an absolutely stellar guest that we had on. Um so now we're going to kind of review the Brave series that's just happened. Obviously, it's all fresh and raw, the extra innings that we um, we went through today. Uh, so in the first game, we saw Max Scherzer at his best. Uh, complete game shut out. He went out of there in the ninth. It was brilliant. The stolen base, everything. And obviously, I think there's only one star of the series, and it had to be Max Scherzer. Played stopper after a five-game skid for the team. Uh, came up huge, and that's exactly what you pay your ace to do. That's why we gave him all that money three years ago. Uh, Strasbourg obviously dominated on Tuesday as well. Again, they're probably the best one-two punch in the league for, for my money. And that's, You ask around the league, and you get um, you get people talking about Syndergaard and DeGrom. Um, Kershaw and Rich Hill kind of comes into it, but obviously that one's a bit top-heavy. But for, for my money you get two Cy Young candidates from last season. That's better than you can ever wish for. Uh, one of the key points of this series is Adam Eaton going to the DL and Moises Sierra getting purchased from AAA. So obviously it's unfortunate that Eaton has to go back to the DL. Thankfully it wasn't the knee that he injured um, at the start of last season. So that's good news. It's something completely different. Uh, and hopefully we see him in maybe a week or two. Um, but in the meantime, obviously Moises Sierra, we're only bringing him up as a backup. He's been four for 12 at AAA, four walks, which is quite impressive. One strikeout, one RBI, one stolen base. I wouldn't expect to see him too much. We kind of got an extended look at him today because of the circumstances. Obviously we went there extra innings. Um, but yeah, I think Goodwin's going to see a lot of the time in left. And it kind of comes at a bad time for Victor Robles, who maybe could have taken that spot because you get the path to regular playing time if Eaton's on the DL. Um, in conjunction with those moves, we had Wheaters activated from the DL and Miguel Montero DFA'd. It'll be interesting to see if Montero sticks with the Nats and stays in AAA. Um, with Matt Wheaters, you don't know. Montero could stay and potentially poach a job, but I would expect him to leave. I think Severino's absolutely won the backup job. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. And potentially even platooning with Wheaters, where he's played that well, he's been that good on defense, and everyone's been really impressed by Severino within the clubhouse, and Max Scherzer was raving about how good Severino was calling pitches and behind the plate. So there's been a lot of progression with uh, Pedro Severino. We've also got Ryan Zimmerman looking better day by day. We had the now iconic looking up to the skies. Thank God that triple fell when uh, when he hit that. And he he really needs it. He Again, a lot was made of him missing spring training this season. 
And Matt Adams is creeping up. Matt Adams with the home run today. Maybe if Zimmerman was still slumping a little bit, then Matt Adams might be able to steal more at bats. But I think Zimmerman's looking better and better by the day. As long as we give him enough, there's a couple lefties in this um, Colorado series coming up. So it might be a good chance for Zimmerman to keep getting better at the plate. Uh, today's big hero, well, um, he was the hero until the Braves came up in the 13th inning, but Howie Kendrick could be one of the most underrated signings in baseball, especially with Daniel Murphy out to start the year. You get a veteran presence in there at second base who can also play a bit of left field. And we saw him come up with the clutch hit today. He's been nothing but money ever since the Nationals traded for him with the Phillies. And obviously he knew coming back to the Nats that he was going to get a chance to play and impress again, which he's absolutely done. And I love what he brings to this team. Even even if down the road he gets relegated to a bench bat again, he's been one of the most valuable bench bench rotation players in the whole league. And one other point from today's game is I thought Brandon Kinsler looked a lot better this outing. He got a couple Ks today, obviously gave up a single to Kurt Suzuki, who's killed the Nats. He'll get a hit off most Nats pitchers these days and a full count walk. So he wasn't leaving too many pitches over the plate today, which is great. We want to see him down in the zone, working that two-seam again, the ground balls. And it's definitely a positive sign for him today. It might be the case that perhaps you put Sammy Solis in the seventh inning temporarily while Kinsler gets in those low leverage situations, starts pounding the zone, get back to what he knows, get back to the Kinsler that we saw before. So... Finally, we're going to come on to some listener questions. We've got plenty of great questions today. I didn't didn't expect some really thought-provoking ones. So coming from the Nationals Post, we have, is it too early to worry about the bullpen? And I think we touched on it there with Brandon Kinsler, where a lot of the relievers got off to slow starts this year. So Solis, Grace, Trevor Gott, they all stumbled in their first appearance or two but especially Sammy Solis is really impressing me at the moment uh, it's definitely something I want to see like I said I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him in that seventh inning setting up Madsen and Doolittle over the next few games so in terms of ERA it's 4.05 which is kind of middle of the road so I don't think it's anything to worry about and especially compared to the last few years uh, it's a luxury for the Nats to be middle of the road at this early in the season uh, he also asked early opinions on Davey Martinez, and I touched on it back there with Kevin. It's certainly a different style to Dusty Baker, where we're playing a lot of the small ball, and Dusty kind of micromanaged the pitchers a little bit, whereas Davey Martinez, we saw it with Strasburg. He literally went out, yeah, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Walk back to the dugout. He trusts his pitchers. Um, and I think, again, the standout moment when... Uh, Anthony Rendon was backflipping, didn't say a word, tossed Davey Martinez straight out there. The players love that, and Harper was a huge fan of that. Hopefully he stays. Um, but, yeah, it's it's huge, and he's so popular with the players, which you can't underestimate. You start getting that great dressing room vibe, and the results start to come. And then his final question was, uh, thoughts on the batting order? Most notably, Rendon at second, fourth, where should he be playing? And I think right now it's probably the right move to push Rendon down to fourth. You need to give Harper some protection or we see what we've seen in the last few series. They, they're they not opposed to just pitching around Harper if he walks, so be it. Uh, whereas with Zimmerman, 
you haven't got that much protection and people are more willing to do that. We saw it uh, We saw it a couple of years ago when we went to Wrigley. Joe Madden wasn't afraid to just walk Harper regardless, regardless of runners on first. We saw it where he walked it with first and second and he walked the bases loaded because Zim was hitting behind him. So it's really important to get Harper that protection. Probably the most interesting point about the batting order is uh, with Eaton on the DL, are we going to stick with Goodwin at first or go to Trey Turner? And I think with Trey Turner doing the way he is at the moment with uh, more walks than strikeouts, which I think has been a key point, which is what you exactly what you want out of a leadoff here. So I think I, I personally would like to see Trey Turner at the top of the lineup. I think Brian Goodwin is a solid player, but he's he's going to strike out a bit much. So... Again, Trey may well do that if he's put at the top of the lineup and people figure him out and he goes back to his old ways, but Trey's speed is going to play up when he does get on base. And I think their on-base percentage is relatively similar this season, but obviously Goodwin's been in a bench role. So our other listener questions came from the Nationals in Brazil. They said, say hi to Brazil. So hi, Brazil. I'm Unfortunately, like Americans, I didn't study Spanish at the school, so... Uh, I would have liked to say that in Spanish, but sorry, I'm not that well educated. Um, but I'm very partial to the international fans. I can sympathize with that having followed from afar for about 10 years. So it's great to see the Nationals fan base expanding internationally. Uh, and he asked, is it too early to have an opinion on the Michael A. Taylor struggle? And I've been quite vocal about this. I think he should have a short leash. The Victor Robles injury may well change this, where... I I would have been looking to Michael A. Taylor at the end of April and see where he is and make a decision then. Give him enough time, but also you've got one of the top prospects in baseball down there. So you can't just let him struggle away for too long. But obviously if Robles is out for an extended period, then we have to kind of let Michael A. Taylor struggle through it. And one of the interesting stats is April last season, he was hitting 219 in April with an OBP of... Uh, two, three, five. So he started slow then and finished like a house on fire. We saw the big home runs in the in the playoffs. So it's not too concerning that he started slow. We saw it last season where he picked it up. But obviously, if he didn't have Victor Robles there, I think he would be centre fielder until at least mid-season. But Robles is that good. We saw the sneak preview in spring training, absolute dynamite with the glove and that's going to be, if they ever play in the same outfield, good luck trying to get base hits there. They're going to cover all the ground. And then his second question was, after the game, should we give Cole another chance in our hearts? And it's a difficult one. I think it all depends on Jeremy Hellickson. Is he ready? Because right now, you would think Hellickson still has the, still has the upper hand, given Cole's disastrous performance against the Braves the first time. But obviously, he only threw 65 pitches in his last uh, last start. So perhaps he doesn't need one more before we can think of calling him up. And it gives AJ Cole another chance to impress. He's the guy in that fifth starter's role right now. So if Helixson does need another start and Cole gets another chance to impress, uh, he could certainly make an impression and keep Helixson down. It may also depend on Helixson's opt-out. But... If he does start, Cole's in line to face the Mets on Monday after the Colorado series. Obviously, the Mets are one of the hottest teams in baseball, unfortunately for us, and their fans will never shut up about it. But 
they they have looked really good, and it's going to be a tricky game for whoever faces him, be it Cole, Helixson, or anyone else, if they decide that uh, Cole shouldn't be starting that game. So I think he does get one more start. Obviously, Helixson only going 65 pitches in his last start. May have scuppered those plans when he was supposed to go 100 and be ready to face the Mets. So that kind of that wraps us up for this week. Uh, again, I think Kevin was a great guest, and we look forward to the Colorado series. Uh, go check out some of our amazing content this week. We've got Brian Foley analyzing Bryce Harper's April career stats. They are ridiculous. I think I've tweeted some out during the games after he's hit a big home run, and it's just otherworldly how well he does in April, gets off to a fast start. And then also Ross talked about Kinsler's struggles and perhaps Kinsler quieted some of those today with um, with the cleaning in two strikeouts. So I think that was a really interesting article to read as well. So you know where to find us by now. Twitter, at District On Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District On Deck. Uh, give us a follow on Blog Talk Radio. We've got a couple now. We're building up. We're going to be here after every single series. Uh, and also a new addition to our follow spree is we've got iTunes set up now. So if you have a have an iPhone, subscribe to us and you'll get our podcast downloaded automatically after every episode. You get to hear my lovely British accent talking about your Washington Nationals, which is an absolute pleasure. Not that I'm biased or anything. So that uh, that wraps us up for this week. We'll be back on Sunday as the Nationals trying to get revenge on the Mets. So thanks for tuning in.